Tonight on Breaking Brad, how much is too much for Kevin Durant? I explore the one trade deal that I think makes sense for the Boston Celtics, and the answer may surprise you. Also, is it time to blow up the Boston Red Sox? We'll explore that a little bit. And the 49ers finally decide to part ways with Jimmy Garoppolo. This is Breaking Brad. Welcome to the program, the very first edition of the Breaking Brad podcast. I am bringing you some hot takes cooked fresh from the kitchen. I've got to work on that line a little bit, but we'll start today talking here about the Boston Celtics, who are the front runner to acquire Kevin Durant. Um, they offer the Brooklyn Nets a deal of Derek White, Jalen Brown, the second superstar on the Celtics, and one draft pick in exchange for KD. And the Brooklyn Nets basically just said, no, we're not going to do that. Um, we want more. This is one of the greatest players of all time. We want those two players, your draft pick, and Marcus Smart, likely another role player, and two more draft picks. It's safe to say Brad Stevens is not going to do that. He is not going to blow up what the Boston Celtics have spent so many years creating here for Kevin Durant, who, frankly is injury prone. I think he's played like 90 games in the last, what, three seasons. He just hasn't played enough. There's a lot of injury issues there. But if you had the chance to get Kevin Durant, you should. And as far as I see it, there is one deal here that actually works for the Celtics. And I tweeted this out yesterday, and with a few followers that I have, I was ratioed to oblivion. People didn't like it. Most Celtics fans, they're not a fan of this deal. Um, but I explored this a little bit in uh, my uh, Substack column, also called Breaking Brad. It's Jason Tatum. Yes, I know that sounds crazy, but let's put it this way. The Brooklyn Nets, they basically have, there's four players on the Celtics that have a lot of trade value. There's Jason Tatum, there's Jalen Brown, there's Marcus Smart, and there's Robert Williams. All right, I like Grant Williams. Maybe he'll be in there at some point, but we just don't know at this point. Um, Al Horford, a little old at this point. Um, and then the rest are just, you know, bench role players. Derek White, um, you know, they added uh, Malcolm Brogdon. Um, they added uh, Danilo Gallinari, who nobody really talks about in a trade. I don't think he's as great a fit for the Celtics as a lot of people are saying. Uh, but you could also include Brog uh, uh, Gallinari in that deal if you really want to shed some salary to bring in Kevin Durant. But Jason Tatum is the one guy I think you have to trade. I know it sounds crazy. He's, what, 24 years old. Um, Kevin Durant's about 10 years older than him, 9 years older than him. Um, injury history. Um, the sky's the limit with Jason Tatum. But you had the chance to acquire one of the greatest players to ever put on a uniform. And... Jason Tatum, maybe he will become that someday, but we just don't know. And what we saw in the NBA Finals this year with the turnovers, with the complaining to the refs, I don't know where his ceiling is at. And let's just put it this way. If Kevin Durant was in Jason Tatum's role in the Finals, sure, Tatum outperformed KD in the divisional round. But had we gotten to the Finals against the Golden State Warriors, and it was Kevin Durant out there instead of Jason Tatum... I think the Celtics would have won that series, or at the very least, brought it to seven games. And now you have the addition of Malcolm Brogdon. And otherwise, if you don't trade Jason Tatum for Kevin Durant straight up and maybe throw in a role player or two, then you're blowing up the whole thing. They're going to be worse without Marcus Smart. 
They're going to be worse without Jalen Brown if you lose lose him and Smart together. And there's Robert Williams, who, you know, obviously he's had some issues with, with injuries, but Williams could be one of the best centers in the NBA. He was the best defensive player in the entire NBA this year when he was healthy, and it wasn't particularly close. I mean, he, it's like four or five blocks a game, and he hardly played any minutes. So you need to keep William, Robert Williams, you need to keep Marcus Smart, and you have to trade away either one, Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. That's the only way to do it. So, look, if you have the choices between that, Jason Tatum for KD or Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, and Robert Williams for KD, sure, maybe the average fan is going to go, well, you don't want to get rid of the superstar, Jason Tatum, but you're getting a wing player that's taller and better than Tatum. Maybe not necessarily a better defender, but certainly a better shooter, a better pull-up jumper shooter. He can get over any, any defender in the league. I think it's a no-brainer. You trade Tatum for Durant. Now, there are some issues here with that type of trade. Um, basically, the way the league works, you can't have... Um, ben, I don't know the full details, but you can't have Ben Simmons and Jason Tatum both on the roster. So you will have to get rid of Ben Simmons. And it's hard to know how you value him because uh, the Nets were expecting him to be back and he wasn't. Uh, so you're going to have to get rid of him. It would probably have to be a three-team deal if you were to pull this off. But overall, look, I like Jason Tatum. I really do. I think he's got a bright future. But he's Paul Pierce. He's Paul Pierce. He loves the ISO game. He loves the use, you know, he, his usage score is very high. He's constantly dribbling the basketball. He's wasting time on the shot clock. And, you know, when he's in the rotation and the Celtics are running the offense and dishing the ball around, it works great. But far too often, we see, oh, Jason Tatum's going to dribble out the shot clock and take a fadeaway jumper, just like Paul Pierce. And look, Paul Pierce was arguably the third best player on that championship Celtics team. Uh, maybe he was second. K uh, KG was number one. And then Pierce and Allen were right there. And I'd argue Allen, you know, with some of those games that he had in the playoffs, performed a lot better than Pierce, who ultimately ended up winning the MVP in 08. But um, it really was a toss-up between those two. KG was the real difference maker on that team. Kevin Durant's better than all three of those guys. So let's think of it this way. If you have the current Celtics roster and you just swap Jason Tatum for Kevin Durant, you have starting Malcolm Brogdon or... Marcus Smart, one of those guys is coming off the bench. You have Jalen Brown at the two. You have Kevin Durant at the three. And then you have Al Horford and Robert Williams at the four and five. Or maybe you bring Robert Williams or Horford off the bench and put Grant Williams in that lineup. And then you have Derek White coming off the bench, assuming he's still there. And Danilo Gallinari, don't forget about him. He's going to be coming off the bench. That is a deep roster that you really can't afford to blow up because they're not going to be any better with Kevin Durant if they have to give up Smart and Jalen Brown and another piece. So look, this is the only way I think it works. And I know it's crazy, and you're taking a risk because the Brooklyn Nets are getting their player of the future, where Kevin Durant, you know, maybe he's declining. How many great years do you have left on him? But look, nothing certain in the NBA. I think Jason Tatum has three years left on his contract. So that means... He could be gone as much as he likes playing in Boston or as much as he may like playing in Brooklyn. He could be gone after three years, and you're going to get Kevin Durant for that same amount of time anyway. The Celtics are in a position to win right now. Had they had Kevin Durant instead of Jason Tatum in the finals, I truly believe they would have been hanging up Banner 18. 
I think this is a deal you have to pull off if you can. I think it's the only way the Nets get the value that they really want. Um, you know, you're not going to get the same value in Miami. Um, you're not going to get the same value from Arizona. You might get it in Toronto, but that's a big if. The Celtics really are in the best possible position to give the Brooklyn Nets a player that they want, which I think Jason Tatum's the guy. Otherwise, you're giving up Jalen Brown and other stars, and I just don't see it working out. So, look, it may it, this this may not be the kind of deal as a Celtics fan you're very excited about because we love Tatum. I love Tatum, but again, I think Jason Tatum is Paul Pierce. Maybe he'll end up being a little better than Paul Pierce when all is said and done. But you had the chance to get Kevin Durant, who top five, at least top ten all-time NBA player. I think you'd do it. All right, so sticking on the theme of Boston sports, um, the Boston Red Sox are just atrocious against the American League East. They're great against the rest of the league, but look, the Red Sox really blew a real opportunity last year. They had, you know, an offense that, you know, was arguably better than the Houston Astros that just fell asleep. I think they beat a superior team in the ALDS, the Tampa Bay Rays, a team with a much better bullpen than they had. Um, and they made it to the ALCS, and then they just fell asleep. The bats just got cold, and that was it. So, I, I look, the AL East is the standard now. You have the New York Yankees, who, I hate to say it, one of the best teams I've ever seen on the field. Deep bullpen, great starting pitching, one of the best offenses we've ever seen. Um, Red Sox managed to beat them in really a toss-up wildcard game last year, but the Yankees were just getting started on what they've built now. Then you have the Tampa Bay Rays, who are just as good as last year, if not better. Shane McClanahan is in the running for the Cy Young Award. I think if the season ended right now, McClanahan would probably win it all. And then who else do you have? The Toronto Blue Jays, who may have an offense that rivals the Yankees. And then the Baltimore Orioles, who've been the hottest team in baseball over the last month. They're back to 500 as of right now, um, Tuesday, July 26th. So the Red Sox have to compete against these teams. And because of it, they're 0-10-1. You read that right. 0-10-1 against the American League East. Sure, they can beat up on the Cleveland Guardians, who are also a good team. They may be able to perform well against AL West, AL Central teams. But it comes down to the AL East, and they may, in fact, be the fifth best team in that division right now, which is really just atrocious for a team that, frankly, had they managed to get past the Houston Astros last year, I think they matched up very well against the Baltimore Orioles. So understanding that you know uh, the American League East is the standard right now, here's an article here by uh, Ryan Fagan of uh, Sporting News. Five Red Sox who could potentially be dealt before the trade deadline. And this is something that I think the Red Sox should do. The Red Sox have mastered the art over the last decade and a half of blowing up and then quickly rebuilding and you know they and basically what they do is they trade all their best players to the Los Angeles Dodgers. They bring in a few prospects, maybe bring in a relief pitcher or two, and then slowly build it up. And within a year or two, they're competing for the World Series again. That's how they won it in 2013. That's how they won it in 2018, and it's how they nearly won it last year in 2021. And considering the American League East is the standard now. The Red Sox aren't even going to be close, and if they sit on their hands and say, hey, well, we're kind of a borderline wildcard team right now, you know, we have a shot, maybe we'll get hot in September and into October and then have a, a real chance at winning the World Series, I just don't see it happening. I'm not even sure they're going to make the postseason this year. 
I say you blow it up. And the real elephant in the room here is Xander Bogarts. Bogarts uh, has been working on a potential extension with the Red Sox um, this offseason, and it just completely fell through. Um, and it basically, the talks have gone silent. And look, the Red Sox, I think, have their future shortstop. Um, they signed Trevor Story in the offseason. He moved to second. But I think their future shortstop could be either Story or Jeter Downs, one of their top prospects who recently came up in the system. Has a lot of trouble with strikeouts, but, man, the guy can play. He's a great fielder. He has a very bright future ahead of him. I think Jeter Downs could be their starting shortstop of the future. And considering the Red Sox really, in my opinion, don't have a great shot at winning the World Series this year, maybe this is the time you get rid of Bogarts trade them away as a rental, give the team a chance. Because the way I look at it, who are the expensive stars on the Red Sox? There's Bogarts, there's Rafael Devers, and there's J.D. Martinez, who's in the last year of his contract right now. In my opinion, you can only keep one. And it's not going to be J.D., because he has one year left. He's still one of the best designated hitters, one of the best power hitters in the league. Xander Bogarts, I told you, he has Jeter Downs on his heels. Ultimately, he may be the shortstop to replace Bogarts in the future. I think if you pick between those three, the obvious answer is Rafael Devers. So why not trade Bogarts now and trade J.D. Martinez as well? All right, blow this thing up, bring in some prospects, give them some experience. Um, you know, the Red Sox have done this before. Remember Dustin Pedroia, who, had he not been injured late in his career, would have been a Hall of Famer. Uh, ended up winning an MVP award, um, I think, in 07 or 08. Um, they just threw Dustin Pedroia into the fire. Like, he came up a little bit in September, and then the next year they're like, we don't know what we're going to get, but you're going to be our starting second baseman. Prepare for the offseason to be starting at second base at Fenway Park. And he was amazing. Do the same with Jeter Downs. Get rid of Bogarts. Say, Jeter, this is your job. And go from there. Trade away J.D. Martinez. You know, there's plenty of players to rotate for the Red Sox. Try different players out at designated hitter. Try different players out in right field. See what you can get out of it. Now, there's other players the Red Sox could deal here. Nathan Ovaldi, um, one of them, uh, just came back from injury. Kike Hernandez, who supposedly was going to come back from injury, but now he's on the 60-day IL, so he won't be eligible to return until August 7th. Uh, Michael Waka, another starting pitcher. Um, and then Christian Vasquez, who's turned out into a great power-hitting catcher. Um, I don't think you want to move Vasquez. You know, he's a great great captain, great leader, too. Um, but in my opinion, you get rid of the two best hitters on the team right now. You start building for 2023, 2024, even 2025, when I think this Red Sox farm system. Look, they got a great farm system right now. A lot of great pitching. A lot of great players to test out. You know, give these guys a chance trade them away, give up on this season because they're not winning it. I'm sorry, they are not winning it this year. I think it's smart to get rid of those two players, roll with Devers, sign him to a long-term extension. He's your guy. And hell, there's a certain guy in the New York Yankees who grew up a Boston Red Sox fan. He's probably going to get the most expensive contract in baseball history, Aaron Judge. Red Sox should take a stab at him. And you're not going to do that if you bring back J.D. Martinez and Xander Bogarts. You're just not. So free up that salary, and if you get rid of those two guys and bring in Aaron Judge, oh man, that's a good team right in 2023, but also a great team looking forward to um, 2024, 2025, and beyond. Um, 
news that broke today um, out of San Francisco. The 49ers, um, who've been on the fence for the longest time about is Jimmy Garoppolo their quarterback or is it Trey Lance? I mean, we know Trey Lance is the QB of the future, but um, you know when he was drafted last year, he was basically saying, hey, Garoppolo can't stay healthy. Um, and Kyle Shanahan, you can see this uh, article by SB Nation's Mark DeLucci um, quoting Shanahan, saying we had an awesome run with Jimmy Garoppolo, but this is something we did last year. And by did, he said bringing in Trey Lance and moving on to their quarterback of the future, which in hindsight made some sense because Lance filled those spots when Garoppolo inevitably went down. But here's the thing. I, I care more. Look, the Niners, I think, are going to be okay. I think it's going to be a bridge year for Lance. they got a great roster, a great team, great head coach, great GM. Uh, but um, I think it's going to be a bridge year because they still have to compete with the Rams, and we know what the Arizona Cardinals are capable of. Um, so, you know, they're a borderline playoff team uh, with Lance right now. Maybe next year is the year they go for it all, but... What is with the hate for Jimmy Garoppolo? I just don't get it. Yes, I know. There's injury issues, but all this guy does is win. All he does is win. He made it to the Super Bowl, and had he not overthrown one pass, they would have beaten the Kansas City Chiefs, and Garoppolo would have had a Super Bowl. He was very close last year to making it to the Super Bowl in a game that came down to the wire against the LA Rams. All this guy does is win, and there's so many potential teams that could really benefit from him. I think the obvious choice, although I don't think they're going to do it, is the Cleveland Browns. For some reason, the Browns, I, I, they're so desperate to get a real quarterback, Cleveland, because they haven't had one in like 30 years, that they're literally willing to pay one of the largest contracts in NFL history to Deshaun Watson who, for all we know, could be in jail. I, I don't think it's going to happen, but he, you know, he's in the NFL's kangaroo court. We don't know what's going to happen there. Why would you spend that much money? I, Deshaun Watson's a great quarterback. I would love to have him on my team, but <laughs> he's not worth whatever the, the heck it is that they're spending for him. So I think Cleveland's the obvious choice if they're willing to do it. Trade for Garoppolo, whose value is probably lower right now on the market than it is in reality. Trade for him, and with that roster, with that team, Nick Chubb, that offensive line, that they have a lot of great defensive players, great pass rush. You add Garoppolo to that, that's a Super Bowl contending team. And, you know, Garoppolo, look, he, he played behind Tom Brady for however many years. He, Bill Belichick wanted him to be the Patriots QB of the future, and Robert Kraft basically said, no, Tom's our guy, and they, they continued going that way, and, and you see the, look, I ended up working out for the Patriots. They won one more Super Bowl, and they now have their quarterback of the future with Mac Jones, who I think is going to take a leap in year two. But Jimmy Garoppolo, if he is healthy, and that's a big if, is at least top 15, probably top 10 NFL quarterback. Seriously. Smart, makes quick decisions, gets rid of the ball quickly. I don't like when he throws on the run. That's when he gets hurt. But incredible footwork. Uh, you know, Understands the progression. Hits the primary receiver first whenever he's open. Is able to work with a variety of receivers. With Debo Samuel, who basically doubled as a running back. Um, with two stud tight ends that they have in San Francisco. Um, he's worked with a lot over the years. A lot of great offenses, a lot of not-so-great offenses, and he's excelled. All Jimmy Garoppolo does is win. So, look, if you have the chance to snag him right now while his value is low, when in reality, 
he's one of the better, more reliable quarterbacks when healthy. I say you get him, and Cleveland's the obvious choice. Now, some other teams that could go after him that really aren't anywhere near where they should be um, for the playoffs, uh, Seattle Seahawks are one of them. Uh, the New York Giants, who, like, Daniel Jones is not a good quarterback. I'm sorry. He's accurate when he's throwing, uh, like, short to medium passes, but in terms of decision-making and all the things that make court- great quarterbacks great, not very good. Um, I think if, if, if Jimmy Garoppolo went to the Giants, they'd actually be a much better team, and especially in the weak NFC East, maybe they would be a playoff team. Um, then the other two teams, Houston Texans, they're not going to the playoffs, even with Garoppolo. And the Detroit Lions, um, who, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but, I, again, I don't understand the hate for Jimmy Garoppolo. Wh- who do you want? Jared Goff? Like, Jimmy Garoppolo is about as reliable as they come. He's Nick Foles on steroids. You get the guy that can bring you to a Super Bowl that's shown that he can do it before. I don't know why the Cleveland Browns don't try to do it, but, you know, they've trapped themselves with this Deshaun Watson deal. A um, couple other stories. Um, let's see. We have uh, this story broke about last week. I'm not going to go too deep into it, but basically Devontae Adams basically compared Derek Carr. There's so much love for Derek Carr these days, and I really like Derek Carr, but this quote's a little bit ridiculous. So as you know, Devontae Adams, great wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers, was traded to the Las Vegas Raiders um, this offseason. He was <laughs> quoted saying, anytime you change quarterbacks from Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer, going to be a little bit of an adjustment, Adam said. And everyone's like, what? Derek Carr's not a Hall of Famer. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers, one of the best quarterbacks to ever suit up. Derek Carr, reliable guy, kind of like Jimmy Garoppolo, doesn't win as much as Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he made the playoffs for the first, first time in his career last year. But Adams decided to clarify. He said, being a rapper, it's very vital. You've got to have the bars, obviously, Adam said Sunday. You know you've got to have the bars. The line's got to be there. But a very, very vital and critical piece of being a rapper is the delivery, right? I wasn't a great rapper the other day. Okay, well, he continues. What I'm not going to do is take away from the, that statement. Why is Derek not a Hall of Famer? What I meant, I left one key word out of there because that's not exactly what I meant. But I do think that Derek's career is Hall of Fame worthy, and why not? Does he have the MVPs right now? No. Has he won a Super Bowl? Not yet. That's obviously what we're chasing. Now, Devontae Adams has a lot of love for Derek Carr. The two played together at Fresno State. Um, but this idea that Derek Carr is a Hall of Famer is just absurd. Um, maybe, you know, the, the Raiders are revamped. They brought in Josh McDaniels. They have a great receiving core. I think they had a pretty good draft this year. But they're also in by far the toughest division in the AFC West. I don't care what people say. I know Tyreek Hill's gone. Kansas City's Chiefs are still the favorite there. Um, Then you have the Denver Broncos, who some people think could win that division. Uh, They brought in Russell Wilson. I'm skeptical, but hey, that's a big, big leap for them. The Los Angeles Chargers, who basically underperformed, in my opinion, last year. Remember, they had that great classic game uh, with the Raiders, or basically the last team to win that. Uh, the team to win that game uh, would win the wild, get a wild card game in the next round in the playoffs, and uh, it came down to the wire. I think in overtime, the Raiders ultimately won. Um, they have to compete against all those teams, and I just don't see... All those teams are going to beat up on each other so much that even if the Raiders do take a giant leap this year, you know, there's still going to be a wild card team in all likelihood and have to win on the road in the postseason. Uh, so, look, if that division gets weaker 
and we do see the Raiders take a leap. Maybe Derek Carr will be in the Hall of Fame conversation, but that is so premature right now. And He's been around for a while now. I think, what was he, a rookie in 2013, 20, 2014, I believe? So, you know, he's been in the league for, I think, seven, eight seasons. Like, at a certain point, if he's going to be a Hall of Famer, he needs to play, do Hall of Fame performances. And, yeah, he's a smart quarterback, makes a lot of the right decisions, hasn't always had the best protection and, and certainly the best organization. But um, Derek Carr calling him a Hall of Famer. Devontae Adams really has a heavy case of recency bias there. Um, last but not least, story that just broke today, um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have decided to sign to a one-year deal Julio Jones. And this is just a crazy move. Um, in a good way, in my opinion. Uh, you know, obviously the Bucks lost Antonio Brown this offseason, um, who I don't think we'll ever see play an NFL game, especially the way he exited um, in New York on the road. That was very funny um, and very sad at the same time. But Julio Jones uh, had an off year last year with the Titans, but we all know what um, Jones has done um, with the Atlanta Falcons. In fact, if you look at this article here on ESPN, uh, the most receiving yards since 2014, Julio Jones tops the list and is not particularly close. By almost 1,000 yards, he's ahead of DeAndre Hopkins and Mike Evans. And he's teaming up with Mike Evans, who since 2014 has the most receiving touchdowns in the NFL. Um, so Brady, look, Brady, he's in kind of the, the LeBron icon phase at his career. And he's been, been in that phase only for a few years now, which is funny because he's much older than LeBron. Um, but they're basically just bringing in veteran superstars as rentals for a year and taking a shot at the Super Bowl. And, you know, remember that great game against the Rams had a few things broken differently. The Bucks could have been back in the Super Bowl and they could have won it all. Um, you know, obviously it would have gone up against the Cincinnati Bengals and that would have been a great matchup for them, um, especially with that uh, pass rush that the Bucks have that did take a step back last year, but... Uh, you know, I think they really would have gotten to the Bengals pretty easily and, and Joe Burrow. Uh, but look at this team. Look at some of the, the, the receivers that they have now. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Tyler Johnson, Scotty Miller, love Scotty Miller, um, Rashad Perriman, they welcome Russell Gage this offseason, and now you have Julio Jones. So much depth there. And we know, we know Rob Gronkowski retired, but let's be honest, I don't think Gronk's out. I think he just doesn't want to go to training camp. Um, he's going to do this every year until he actually retires. Um, so if we get to week one, actually, no, no. If we get to week eight and Gronk still isn't playing for the Bucks, then I will take seriously that he actually retired. But the dude's been beat up throughout his career. Um, he just needs some time off to uh, repair, prepare, and uh, you know, find a way back uh to the Bucks, and he won't skip a beat once he joins that offense. It's not like he needs to learn the playbook or anything. Um, so that's it for today's uh, show. I'm going to try to do this podcast uh, at least twice a week, um, aiming for Tuesdays and Fridays. That may move around a little bit, but um, just getting started here, trying to figure out how exactly um, this will work out. But um, I'm also uh, posting daily during the week on uh, my Substack, Breaking Brad. Just started this as well. I only have a couple articles up there right now, but should be dropping a third tonight. Um, all free right now, but soon it'll be basically three articles a week, three free articles a week, two paid, only $5 a month if you want to join that. Um, so encourage you to check that out on Substack um, and follow me on Twitter at the Brad Whitaker. 
Um, but that's it. Hope you have a great Tuesday evening and crazy, crazy NBA offseason, even crazier NFL offseason. And uh, baseball, if you look at the American League East, I don't know what's going to come out of that. Hopefully not the Yankees. It probably will be, unfortunately. But a um, lot to look forward to in the coming months. Football is just around the corner. Training camp just started. Really excited about what's happening there. Um, so until, until uh, Friday, um, have a good one. This is Breaking Brad. Mm-hmm.